hey, look at that. Magnificently Huge Podcast is turning four. So we're going to do movies that are fourth in the series just because why not? Right? Yeah. Happy birthday to us. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener, and welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This is Chris, and this week, along with Eric and Brian, we're celebrating our fourth year doing this ridiculousness. That's right, we've been doing it for four years, and you'd never know with all the fun we're having, right? You're having fun, and I guess we're going to have some fun. So today we're going to talk about the fourth movies in franchises, you know, series, franchises, movies, whatever it's just movies that have done a whole bunch of storytelling and most of them are probably terrible there may be some good ones there are probably a lot of bad ones and some were just you know whatever so strap in for the ride fourths that's right if you like what you hear send us your suggestions like what did we miss for the fourth entry in a series that we should have talked about uh, what did we add that probably didn't need any sort of recognition whatsoever that kind of thing just send us your stuff at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We love to hear from folks. We love to get suggestions because we're just always bereft of any tangible ideas. But you can also reach out to us on Twitter, at MagHuge. We're on Facebook, Magnificent Huge Podcast. We're on Instagram. We are, let's see, uh, at our website, maghuge.com. We're at all those places. And then, of course, wherever you find podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. So visit our site visit those platforms rate us five stars give us a great review tell us what you think share us with your friends and family uh, do all that cool stuff so yeah fourth films in a series entering our fourth year as a series you get what we're going for enjoy the show later hello this is the magnificently huge podcast and we're here to entertain you. Happy birthday to No, no, it was so good until that started. No, no, no. Dear God, stop I, it. I tried to bring in energy <laughs> and Chris shit. tried to sap it. I mean. Oh, well. Oh, it sapped. Yeah. Wow. I'm Eric. Hi, Eric. I'm Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi. I'm Brian. Hi, Brian. Yeah. We don't usually record on Monday nights, so this has got me all discombobulated. Uh, yeah, oh, I got called in and, doing yard work this weekend, and just uh, there was no recording that was going to happen. Yeah, and for the record, uh, I'm two hours ahead of you guys, so anytime we do a later one, uh, I am on fumes. This is my bedtime. <laughs> Chris has normally. turned into a pumpkin, everyone. <laughs> Pretty much, so <laughs> this will be fun. A little behind-the-scenes drama. So drama. your low oh, yeah. energy is going to have some pretty low energy, is what you're saying. Yes. Got it. My normal hey, low energy. Well, get get your energy sorted because this is our anniversary episode. That's true, and it's our first one when we're not doing a stupid Star Wars show. Yes, so yes, always good. May the fourth. I think everyone should you. stop doing Star Wars <laughs> on May the fourth because no one gives a fuck. Yeah, least of all Eric. Yeah, he's made that oh. quite clear. I've I've actually lost count of how many years the show has been a show now. I'm, Four. I. But, Four. Four years. Four. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We started in 2017, if you can believe it. So, started it. May the fourth anniversary of the show on May the fourth be about the fourth movie in a series. Yes. You see how that works? Yeah. Wow. It's quite genius. Genius, right? Wow. Genius. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. But that's like four years ago. Eric just had texted me. He's like, we should just do a podcast. We're like, okay, yeah. sure. And then uh, I think you came in like three episodes later, Brian, and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is all true. Yeah. 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 Fresh shit. This- <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> this shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is real. It's 
Uh, who wants to go first? Spin the wheel, Brian. I'd like to, I'd like to go because oh, I've got okay. like a sort of sideways in kind of uh, uh, fresh it this week. So as I mentioned last week, I got Paramount Plus uh, so that I could much, watch The Stand. Much to Brian's is, chagrin. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I don't it's, understand you at all. It's very uneven, right? Yeah. But it's, it's still, it's pretty good. Uh, but I'm not here to talk about that. I was like, I'm not going to watch any of the new Star Treks because the last, the, you know, the first two discoveries and the first season of Picard pissed me off so greatly. I'm like, I'm not doing that to myself again. F- right? Fool me four times. I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Yeah, enough. Enough. I'm not just, no. Uh, so I decided to go cruising around Paramount Plus to see what else they had. Uh, okay. Okay, I found one show called Salvation, which is about a meteor that's going to strike the Earth and all the people who are like working to try and deflect it or get rid of it or do, you know, make it go away, whatever. And it's, you'd think that would be interesting, but it's so poorly written and so poorly done that there's a reason you've never heard of it. And it was only on two seasons. (laughs) And okay, two. so that's awful. They got two. Nice. I saw something else that was called Scorpion, which is a sort of oh no, super genius oh, X Men show. That I've was, seen this as like the ultimate do the hack show. Yeah, this right? was awful. <laughs> awful. Do oh, yeah. the hack. Do the hack. I tried. Yeah. I checked out the Hawaii Five O reboot. Oh no. Which no, I think no. is best best referred to as a reboot of the police show that no one currently living ever watched. Yeah, um, the, I never watched it. I watched the titles and then I changed the channel. Yeah, I listened to the theme yeah, song. Yeah, it was I, cool. I think song. I that's it. Yeah, I think I saw the pilot when it came out. Whenever like ten years ago, and I went, nope, I'm out because it's basically stars Scott Con and he's doing a weird impression of his dad yeah. James Con from like the seventies. It's just off putting. Yeah. So then there was another show called Instinct, in which Alan Cumming is an ex CIA <laughs> agent called in to help the NYPD catch a serial killer. You know, it's like Good it's like high-concepted high-concept, right? Shit, shit, shit. Uh, then I checked out Dude, Clarice, is... which is a show about what Holy happened God. to Clarice Starling Lord, Eric... between Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. This now, is like what, you did like what a, a TV version of the... have in common is that they're all produced by Alex Kurt... Alex no, Kurtzman, no, who did no. the Star Trek reboot and oh. fucked that up too. I'm like, what the fuck? All of these shows say Alex Kurtzman produced by on them. And it turns out that part of his production deal is that CBS has to let him make a certain number of shows every year. Like, nice. like they just have to fuck make the fuckers. I mean, he's got... So Alex Kurtzman is just destroying Paramount, just yeah. in general. Yep. Yeah. He's got like, them so over a barrel, to on down. they can't do anything about it, and he's making all these garbage shows, hoping one of them will stick. Uh, I'm just, I'm just beside myself. I mean, it's... <laughs> you you it try like... watching a couple of episodes of uh, Salvation, and, you know, tell me that Star Trek Discovery is that bad. It's it, like, <laughs> it I think sounds like he's doing other people's stuff like Clarice and Star Trek so he could sort of glom onto the success of something that came before him. No. Rather than have to do something original and have everybody see how untalented he is. The fucker. It's, it sounds like Paramount Plus is like the, the media app version of like a Golden Corral. It's like yeah. just a buffet it's, of it's, junk. You know? It's the media app version of that bin of DVDs in the checkout line at the Best Buy. <laughs> or the gas station. You know, it's more like, like a gas station. It's a streaming service barrel. for your parents. Because CBS oh. has always been about like 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 old fogey shows. You know, like yeah. like and CSI and Matlock. I think Matlock was NBC. I, but that I say this is a 50-year-old saying your parents should be watching this. So like, yeah. Yeah. if you're Those hearing people. this show... Chances uh, are we mean like your great grandparents or some shit here. Yeah. Yeah. What they're playing so. in the home is generally c- CBS. <laughs> oh, my oh man. God. So yeah, I'm I'm like more than a little, you know, just sort of put off by that. And also the Paramount streaming network doesn't have all of the Star War- Star Trek films. They've got right? three. How did they launch that without 
without even half the Star Trek movies. Yeah, what the fuck? And I they're not even like the good ones. I have to, like, I have to believe like that they didn't put them all in there because they didn't want to have to compete with their quality. I mean, I assume it's just tied up in some contract like the Disney stuff. They were trying to get it out from the other streaming services. Mm. But, but still, I'm yeah. launching Paramount Plus and I don't have... I don't even have a quarter of the Star Trek movies. Well, like <laughs> the whole thing just sounds like it was rushed because it was CBS All Access, right? And then they said, yeah. no, no, we don't want to do that because Paramount's our parent company. So let's just make it Paramount Plus because of the library. And no point did any of the executives stop and go, uh, so what's the licensing setup for all of these properties? Do we have to? Do- no, fuck you. They're well, ours. We can do whatever we want. And apparently no, see, that's the thing not is the that case. like Viacom split CBS and Paramount. And so they were for you know, a long time, two separate entities. And I, I did that earlier show on, you know, clickbaits. You didn't know about Star Trek. Right. That was a lot of the issues were caused by that split between, you know, in the Viacom family. Now they're trying to pull them back together. And that's like, you know, now that Sumner Redstone is out of the picture, okay. his daughter's in charge and she's trying to like, sew the thing back together. And so that's why they got rid of CBS All Access and turned it into, you know, all things Paramount, which is okay. Paramount and CBS. Well, it sounds like you're really just funny because I feel like I would have had a better sense of what to expect from if it had been called Viacom Plus. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. I think they should have just come up with a new name altogether, you know, like horrible Alex Kurtzman shows. <laughs> plus. The rest you of the stuff plus, that yeah. wasn't on another streaming service, plus. Yeah, plus, yeah. yeah. you just you have to make sure you slap plus on there. Like, at what point are the we going to get, like, who will Netflix ruin television plus. now has his own network. Yeah. Plus. Plus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. what's, that's, what's, that is that is really my fresh shit. I, that's all okay. I really wanted to, yeah. Wow. That, that sounds like a terrible week, Eric. I am so sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I got my second COVID shot. And yeah. I've thought for a while that my wife and I already had COVID because when they described the symptoms, uh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. she and I were like, I think we had this last year. Well, apparently if you've had COVID and you get, you know, when you get the second vaccine shot, it, it's terrible. it flattens you. Uh, like even more so than usual. And that's exactly what happened to me this week. So I was just dizzy and nauseous and yeah. Hey, but thanks to all the people who used to be saying we should do herd immunity, who are now preventing us from reaching herd immunity, right? You (laughs) get to have a shot every year because it's going to keep mutating. Yeah. 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 And, and you're going to keep, you're going to get every time you get the shot because you've already had COVID two or three times, uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to get that second shot and you're going to feel like an Alex Kurtzman show every time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's the new streaming app. COVID plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need. Well, Oh damn. Yeah. COVID 21. Yeah. Okay. Then COVID 22. Yeah. Uh, was there anything new out? Did you watch anything new, Brian? You normally I, have I new did. Stuff. I've got a couple of new things. Okay. Um, but I, I'll, real quick, I'm just going to brush right past my old thing, going through my movies from the 2000s that I haven't bothered to watch yet. You're still um, on that. Nice. Okay. I Yeah, fired up the Darjeeling Limited. Oh, uh, not, I'm Wes not Anderson. a fan. Not a fan. This is a, uh, it's more lesser Anderson yeah. uh, than anything. Yeah, uh, but this every is the, West, even the worst Wes Anderson is, you know, better than the best Alex Kurtzman. I mean, it's kind of one of those <laughs> well, things, like, I'd rather have true. a bad day fishing yeah. than a good day at work. It's the same. <laughs> this, is, this is the Wes Anderson equivalent of an Adam Sandler movie where he just gets his buddies together and they go on a vacation and they make a movie to justify it. Yeah. Like, they're just hanging out in India, basically. And I mean, okay, yeah, he's got some shit to work through with his brothers and his dad or whatever. But yeah, it was really not any anywhere near the level of a Moonrise Kingdom or or Rushmore, um, the Grand Budapest, or Rushmore. Yeah. Like, I thought it was about one of his better ones. That's funny. I thought it was Dark one of the more insightful ones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I because it's it these three flat. brothers who all think they know who they are. And then when they have to spend enough time together, they realize, you know, they exist as a unit. And, yeah, it's about discovering f- familial love in a way. And yeah. I don't know. Well, mm. well, for me, it's, uh, it's just it's too much of his quirks on display 
Wes Anderson, uh, and it just doesn't gel. I just I've never liked it, and it I don't know why it just always leaves me cold. I and it's I do love the, that one moment when they're walking along and the kids are playing on the 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 waterway and they do like an extreme close up like a, what do they call that a a a a shock close up a bang close up like it just yes. goes zap right. right in on his face and he says look at these assholes I thought that was really <laughs> funny <laughs> yeah uh, it's just it's so weird too because Bill Murray like shows up and then gone it's like he's oh, just yeah. there he's just, just to be cameo. yeah he's just there to be the bill murray cameo just so they can keep the streak running it's so strange yeah <laughs> and i read that too it's, as it, he's played by bill murray but he has no part because there is a whole other world going on outside yeah. of what we're able to see it's like bill murray is playing the dad and has lots of great lines over there in yeah you know what's not well, in a better shot movie. yeah, yeah. Well, in a way yeah, it's they, very uh, meta <laughs> well there's a lot of ancillary stuff with this movie, like it's like a puzzle box because there's a whole other short film that Wes Anderson did with Jason Schwartzman about his character in Paris with Natalie Portman as the bitchy girlfriend who fucks him over. And oh, which really? Is what, yeah, okay, there's like a whole other world She was world on of stuff. the train for one shot yeah. Yeah. and I didn't, yeah, I just figured that was just a, a lark. No, that's know? like that's like a whole other ancillary short film that they just did. I don't know if it got cut from the movie or what, but yeah. It's, it was on the DVD huh. release. Yeah. So it might have dense. opened the movie. I don't know, but yeah, you get to see you get to see Natalie Portman completely nude, but you don't get to see any of her parts. <laughs> it's kind of you know like what I mean. professional, yeah, yeah. Okay. Eric's got priorities. Yeah, okay. yeah, he totally does. <laughs> okay, so uh, so some newer things. Um, you want the movie or the video game first? Yes, yes, indeed. That that was not a yes or no question. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's like then that's yes, why I could by all means. Yeah. Okay. I didn't really do very well on my SATs either. I'll, so. I'll go yeah. with the with the movie first. So last week we did you know Mortal Kombat, and yes. so I fired up uh, the latest video game adaptation by the original, the OG Paul W S Anderson and Mila Jovovich. This is. Monster Hunter. Oh, yeah. I've been circling it, but it just looked terrible. You know what? It's it, it it's kind of like the Mortal Kombat movie in that it knows what it is, right? It's like, okay, yeah, we're going to make a movie. It's going to have Mila Jovovich in it. We're going to have Tony Jaa kicking ass. <laughs> and there's going to be these big-ass monsters from the video game. We're going to do some fan service for fans of the game. And, yeah, we're just... We're just gonna beat beat up on some monsters, and 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 it, we're gonna establish that they're really tough. It struck me as sort I, of I like think a nailed that. Well, it struck me as sort of like a weird version of like Predators to me, because it's like they drop these people on a planet, and then they have to fight these giant monsters with a big jackass sword or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of that. I mean, the the interesting thing is that she's dropped into this world, and no one speaks her language, so they can't really talk they have to like sort out how to communicate in in other ways and the monsters are really really threatening so they have to collaborate and like come up with clever ways to to fight the monsters and as i understand it that's basically the game right monster hunter's been around for a while capcom who also makes resident evil um has been has been putting these out and yeah the game is basically go out and get your ass kicked by monsters unless you can team up with other people and figure out strategies to take them down so it's kind of that and it's got Ron Perlman in it you know oh, he's you always know, fun okay back to, Paul Paul what are we what is it Paul P T Barnum Anderson? Anderson yes he, yeah. sure he was that he was almost interesting for a minute there as a filmmaker it's like he was making these films that were kind of hokey and were almost good. And it's like he was just on the verge of being not a piece of shit. And I think at some point after Resident Evil, he said, oh, there's actually a lot of money in being a piece of shit. And so he's just yeah, sort no of kidding. pushed all I, in. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, he's he's married to Mila Jovovich and they've basically got a little family business making these video game movies for like low budgets and, and they get to do their thing. And, and you somehow know, he's not looked at as I can negatively as Yui Bowl. He doesn't have that kind of hate, so yeah. he's a little bit well, better than that. Because he average. doesn't suck. Yeah, yeah. I mean. he, he does okay, but yeah, it's he's not like uh like Steven Summers. They they both came out at the same time and made a big splash, and then Summers mm. had some huge missteps with like Van Helsing, and then he just basically fell off the planet. 
You know what I mean? Whereas this Anderson guy keeps making flicks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think is, he, he's kind some... of in the Roger Corman lane. Like he knows what he's what he's making. He knows the limitations of it. He pushes yeah. it to where it needs to be. He does his fan service. He gets out. Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. There is some value in just you know getting it done. He's certainly made more films than I have. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's true. But at least two. At least two yeah. more. And he's he certainly made the most video game adaptations that people don't hate uh, in film. I'll give him that. And yeah, this, this is up there. Okay. I still like the Event Horizon. I don't care what anybody says. I like that film. There you go. I, no, a lot I, of people like that. I movie. have not seen it since the theater. I hated it in the theater, but I haven't revisited because I hated it so much. So. I thought shopping was a uh, drivel, but... Uh, okay. I think I've seen too many of his films. <laughs> it sounds like you're, a, you're basically a super fan is what you are. I'm, I'm well-versed. Like. I'm okay. well-versed. And Mila Jovovich <laughs> doesn't show us any of her naughty bits. Yeah. Okay. In order to know your enemy, you must be your enemy. So, <laughs> my video game uh, was kind of a big, big week for next generation video games this week because, like, these new consoles came out last Christmas, and really, what they've largely been doing is making your old games run a whole lot better. Um, and there's really only been one straight up only for the new systems game so far, and that was the Demon Souls remake that I talked about back then. There's now a second game that's only available on next-gen consoles, uh, and it's called Returnal. And it's a PlayStation 5 game from a studio called Housemark, who is known for their arcade-style shooters. They did a killer take on Defender called Rezogun on the PS4. And they started making all these other arcade-style games, and no one was buying them. And so now they have to like go big or go home, and they've gone for a bigger budget. And what they have made is just the most frustrating goddamn thing. Uh, <laughs> it's it's gorgeous. The art design is is great. It's like the Alien Prometheus kind of vibe, but in real time and rendered very very well. The sound design is fantastic. The moving and the shooting is fantastic. Um, the creatures are pretty cool. They've got all of the elements of a great game, but they've hung it on a game structure called a roguelike. And the deal with a roguelike is every time you play it, it randomizes the game. And this game basically kills you and then you have to start over. And then it kills you and you have to start over and it's a little too unforgiving and you don't make enough progress to make it so that you can get further in it. And so it's just this sort of really beautiful, really well executed game that wants you to not have fun. As kind far like as the I way video <laughs> games used to be when they cost a quarter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I just I described it to a to a buddy of mine. I'm like, okay, this is like Metroid crossed with control. Crossed with Dark Souls, crossed with an arcade machine that wants all the quarters. Yeah, it's that. It's, I'm compelled by it. I'm enjoying it. I'm making iterative progress, but I'm finding myself just really annoyed by it also. <laughs> it sounds like every video game I've ever played, honestly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, okay. it's... It's good, but it could have been great, I think is what I'm going to say about Returnal. So if you've got a PS5, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, wait for this one to be on sale or to show up on PlayStation Plus. It will eventually. Don't pay a full price for Returnal. Yeah. It's a good game. It's not or, a great game. Or just pony up for the Gamefly and uh, rent it. I don't even know if Gamefly is still around. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what do I, I don't know. What do I know? Nothing, obviously. Now that, now that they're <laughs> trying to get people to not have physical copies. Yeah. Right. So that's that's my that's my fresh shit. Chris, what do you got? Uh big fat nothing. Wow. <laughs> no. Uh no, I just been doing more reading this week instead of uh the movies and stuff. So I read the Have you ever heard of a series called The Executioner? A character named Mac Bolan. It's like started in I've the heard 70s. Of Mac Bolan. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. like this totally cheesy like like dad beach read books they're only like a couple hundred pages each but basically it's like a it would be it could be a charlie i swear you brought the executioner as fresh shit like years ago i read the first one uh like five months ago and then (laughs) 
<laughs> I've read the other two uh, last week in like three days because I was just like bing, bang, boom. But basically, it's a Vietnam vet comes home to bury his family who was murdered by the mob. And then he starts this one man vendetta against the mafia. And uh, by the second one, he's recruited some of his army buddies from Vietnam and they form this like death squad, go out to LA and like wreak havoc on the mafia there. And then everybody dies at the end. And then by the third book, he's so beat up. He goes to Palm Springs, finds an old army buddy doctor who's also a plastic surgeon and gets like his face reconstructed and then infiltrates the mafia to take him down again. They're just so <laughs> ridiculous. But they're like full on 70s Charlie Bronson movies on page. You know, it's just it's a it's a book that could very well be a movie. Uh, and so, I, Eric, I heard this description of this plot. And I'm sitting here agog that neither you nor I watched the new film version of Without Remorse on Amazon this week. (laughs) Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, which is basically about a guy from Vietnam taking revenge on a whole bunch of people. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's like standard plot number 16, I think. Right. Uh, But it's exemplified with the the Executioner series. It's like uh, everything about Wrath of Man looks vaguely interesting, except it's another, you killed my son, so I'm going to kill you. It's like, until you can do it better than the original Get Carter, please stop. Seriously. Uh, But yeah, if you're looking for just a a total mindless uh, quick read that's kind of fun, uh, you you could do worse than the Mac Bolin Executioner series. <laughs> you could do worse at kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's basically they're they're just extra violent. Uh, they're just super sexist, so macho, testosterone fueled. I mean, it's just every pore of it is just ridiculous to the nth degree. But it's done so straight and so serious that you kind of have Chris to. Chris Ryerson of oh, the nice. Austin Herald says. It's fine. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's meh. It is it. If you're going meh. for kind of fun, you could do it's, worse. It's okay. Yeah, Chris Ryerson. <laughs> but but yeah, there's like a whole sequence in the third book when he's escaping Palm Springs because the mafia has come in and found him. And then they've killed the doctor. And then there's like a whole extended sequence where he literally kills like 10 guys uh, and lays waste to them because he... He plays plays chicken with them, rams into their car at full speed on the freeway, and then when they're all flailing about on the highway, he basically just walks up to them and shoots them all in the head one at a time. I mean, it's like, what in the fuck is going on? This Before is he so shoots ridiculous. the last one, he says, see you at the party, Richter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you said you wouldn't kill me. I lied. So, yeah. So it's basically all the DNA from all of the movies that we watched in the 80s just had absorbed this sort of vibe but there's like a hundred books in this series it's just something stupid so i'm uh i'm probably gonna quit at three just so i can cut my losses but uh you know it's fun (laughs) (laughs) yay i like how you're giving yourself room to keep reading them though just in case you you want more pain well i only got it because it came out on amazon kindle and it was like the first three books for like two bucks i'm like ah that's that's a deal. Sure. What the hell? And then I went and looked to just see if like the next series, like the fourth through sixth, and they want like nine bucks for it. And I just basically went, fuck you. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> so if it's ever two bucks, yeah, I'll get the next box set, whatever. You know, All reading, right. reading is yeah. fundamental, kids. Reading is fundamental. You know, it's funny. I just want to say like, because you thought Ryerson had done, you know, that series before. This week, I also watched The Girl with All the Gifts. And as we're watching it, I'm like, I think I've seen this before. It feels like a dream I've had. And then I realize I have seen it before. And so I probably can't talk about it on the show because I'll bet anything I talked about it like sometime over the last four years. The Girl with All the Gifts? I've yeah. I've never heard of it. It's a fucking smart zombie movie. It was written by a guy who writes a lot of X-Men uh, comic books. And... He wrote a book and he adapted it into the screenplay. If I haven't talked about it before, then real quick, a girl who is uh, uh, has has is part zombie. Basically, they explain it in the film, and they're they're running tests on these kids to try and find a cure for the zombie 
curse that has plagued the world. And um, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend this film. It's on, well, what the fuck was it on? I think it's on Netflix. Check it out. It's really good. Oh, oh I was going to say, if it's on Paramount Plus, I am in, you son of a bitch. No, nope. <laughs> no, they don't do anything terribly good. Okay. Except okay. the stand, which is passable. So, yeah, so this is our fourth anniversary show. So I pitched you guys. Okay. And Let's... welcome to our fourth anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so I pitched you guys. Uh, why Only don't we talk about old people know that joke? Yeah. Talk about the the fourth <laughs> films in a franchise or series. Uh, we've already done like a sequel show. We've done like we bad did a sequel. Se- we did a threequel show. We did a threequel show. That was one of our first shows ever. Mm, I uh, liked the threequel show. So we yeah, got go a lot of check that we out. Legitimately got a lot of responses to the threequel show. Actually, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does well. Three's a magic well. number. Uh, so I thought, well, we're the fourth year. Let's just do fours and dispense with that because thematically that's right in line with how these movies go, isn't it? Exactly. (laughs) Cause, uh, let's do another one. Well, it's like, like, well, this is the deal. So many film quote unquote franchise. I hate the word franchise, but it's the only way to really explain it. Uh, once you get to four, it's a franchise. Okay. We're we're there. But so many crap out at three, which is what one of the things we discussed in our threequels episode is that why do so many franchises crap out at three and don't So that you can sell the box set as a trilogy. Well, yeah. Does it, I mean, does it have to do with the Star Wars? Well, but does it also have to do with like, uh, because the Greeks, when they invented drama, just decided that the three act structure was the way to go and people just can't fucking doubt it. it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking about, you know, like, I don't think anybody's reading, including the people who made these movies. So, yeah. Uh, but when you get to the fourth one, it's sort of that to me is the make or break. I mean, it's like you you've got a lot of cojones if you're making a fourth movie in a series, uh, much less making one you think is going to be good. Or, or you've purchased the rights to something. Yeah. Because oh, so okay. ma- so many of them are just terrible. It's like it's mm-hmm. like I was I I wrote out a giant list of all the ones I could think of, and yeah, about, they suck. Yeah, and I'd say about seventy percent of these I've never seen because they're series that I just went no. Like I watched maybe one or two and I went, I think I'm good. I think I'm good, and uh, did not pursue anything else. And a lot of these I'm like, there's a fourth one in there, really. <laughs> uh, so they're they're fairly surprising. But uh, I thought it would be fun just to talk to Force and we could bring, you know, some good we, ones and some bad ones. Yeah, and I was going to say, are we ragging on bad ones or are we going for the ones that are actually worth your time? Well, there's there's a few because there's someone here, too. Like, I want to I legitimately want to know if they count as like a fourth in a series or not as well. So we can get into that as well. Um, so give me. Well, let's just start with bad because that's more fun and then we can end on a good note. So. uh. Eeny, meeny, miny, Brian, give me a bad one. Oh, so many to choose from. So many to choose from. And does it have a four in the actual title? That's the other I kicker. mean, I kind of looked at that um, as a rule. I, I only went with movies that were really? numerically sequenced. Oh. Yeah, it seems like a cheat <laughs> if you don't. Okay, if, if I'm sticking to that rule, then let's say Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Oof. You know what? I got to legitimately tell you, I still have never seen that entire movie. <laughs> That how, that how do you, how can you live with yourself? That uh, movie is like <laughs> absolute, just like like before its time, Alex Kurtzman. It is yeah. it is so weird uh, how it feels like you have the flu when you're watching that. It's it's so, exactly what happens when Canon buys the rights to your movie and then fucks it all up <laughs> with the budget. You know, I I may have said this on our Superman episode, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this anecdote again because I love it. Um, one of the last games I worked on, we were working on the Superman game at Factor 5. And I was working with, uh, actually got to meet Jeff Johns, um, but, but we, were, we were working with DC and the guys at Brash Entertainment, which was the video game publishing arm of Legendary Pictures, before they went bankrupt and sent Factor 5 out of business too. Um, they, um, they were really insistent on a few things in the Superman game. I was trying very hard to like appeal to fans of the films because, um, well, because frankly, there's just more of that than there are comic book fans. And these guys were just like, Lex Luthor has to have the super suit. And I just thought the super suit sucked. 
Um, <laughs> I know, I know people love the Lex in the super suit, but I, I can't stand it. And I, I, I looked him square in the eye and said, I will put Lex in the super suit in this game, but I get nuclear man. <laughs> and I meant it. I was going to put nuclear man in this goddamn game just because, and you know, the world is better off for brash having gone out of business and no one had to deal with that. But is- anyway. Is Nuclear Man in the movie? Is he legit? Oh a, yes. a wrestler, yeah. wrestler turned actor, because that's what he yeah, looks Nuclear like. Yeah, Nuclear Man is just—he's—he's like—he's like Will Ferrell's character from the the Eurovision Song Contest movie oh, okay. as a, as a superhero, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just yeah, I see Cliff's Urban and just like Superman, Christopher Reeve flying in those really shitty rotoscope backgrounds. Like they don't mesh up at all. I mean, the whole thing is just—it's just a failure from start to finish. It's—it's it's so bad. And John Cryer as Lex Luthor's surfer dude nephew. No. Uh, oh yep. yeah, Uncle Lex. Yo, Uncle Lex. <laughs> the dude of steel. Where are you gonna get it? Money. What? Because they were trying to pack it with names. They were trying to yeah. like like the poster even had look at all the people who are in this pile of shit and mm. you know it's like anything to make it sound like it's good really yeah, yeah. I got you it's okay. it's bad it's so bad so do you, do you think that it legit killed Superman movies until they did the Superman I, Returns I have a feeling that Christopher Reeves becoming a quadriplegic pretty much ended the <laughs> Superman franchise. I yeah. don't know, man. I don't know. They would have made another one. They would have made yeah. another one. Okay. If you say so. I, yeah. That it yeah. Okay. Next. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, and that's that we'll we'll just yeah, start on the the obvious note cuz yeah, that's literally one of the the top 10 bad number 4s I think we could legitimately come up with so i'm interested to hear eric what four did you bring what well okay so well well okay it's a bad four that we're supposed to bring right right this yeah okay the worst four i could think of was lethal weapon four that's uh, a definitely definitely one of the bad ones up there i agree yeah i got didn't lethal even weapon. watch lethal weapon three <laughs> you've got lethal weapon the first one which is really nothing to write home about. I'm sorry. It's, it's passable. Like, it's it's ahead of its time in a lot of ways. It it ended up building a lot of the cliches that movies would use. Fine. Lethal Weapon Two is stellar. It it, it and it per- outperformed the original one. I I still when it comes on I have to watch it because I think it's fucking great. Diplomatic community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but it did okay. so well that they had to make a Lethal Weapon Three. And the problem there is that the first two movies were basically improved on the spot. And the people who made those had nothing left in their tank. So when it came to doing part three, we've already talked about Lethal Weapon 3 in our three-peat episode. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, well, by the time you do four, it's like, no, 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 you really need to stop now. Three should have been too old for the shit in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's really yeah. too old for and this shit now. <laughs> helped by having Chris Rock in it who is a funny stand-up but has never once made a movie anybody's wanted to see, except CB4. Right. I just, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a criminal underuse of Jet Li at the peak of his Jet Li-ness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I, I feel embarrassed for him uh, being in this movie because it just it's basically like Jackie Chan in the Rush Hour movies. It's just, what are you, why? There's just mm-hmm. no reason for this stellar Asian martial artist actor to be in this. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, so I just, yeah, it's it's a big waste of time and money. Uh, it's everything that's wrong with the Joel Silver era. Um, yeah. I think it I th- put an end to the Joel Silver era, really. I mean, after I that, think it's, it's like, yeah. like, like, like Bruce Willis is the one now who runs Die Hard and... Uh, yeah. Joel Silver uh, did the whole Matrix thing, which was, you know, the departure of Silverness. It's like, yeah, yeah the Silver movies are just done. <laughs> I agree. Oh, God, we get the Matrix 4 this year. Yes, we do. Oh, God. Yeah. So oh, looking forward gee, to that. Oh, dear. So that's going to be in the, the maybe column. We're not quite sure. It's the Schrodinger's 4. 
It could be good, it could be bad, but we won't know yeah. until we see it. It's both at the moment until we get be, it yeah. out of the box, right? It's going to be so bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, well, I'll stick to the theme then of, of keeping the four in the title, and I'm going to bring one that uh, just astonishes me for the level of stupid that it managed to bring to an already degrading series of films. Uh, 1985's Rocky Four is astonishingly bad. <laughs> awful in so many ways that i can't even begin to explain but i'll try yeah. uh it's it's written and directed by stallone who i think did the everything he, did rocky. Well, he, did, he wrote he rocky rocky's two three and four yeah and he so you two can and three rather before it yeah and you could have ended rocky on the third one because that's a nice arc because it's basically about him bonding with Apollo Creed and then Mickey dies and you know it's a good wrap up but then they decide they're going to do this like Cold War stick it to Russia make Rocky beat the living hell out of Dolph Lundgren uh, thing and then there's like a, a robot in it because Rocky is rich and is buying cars and like robots for it's a robot in yeah Rocky yeah he, he buys it for uh, <laughs> for what's his face uh, Polly Polly uh, as a birthday oh, present. Oh, Jesus. I, I have not bothered and it with makes, Rocky IV. It makes comedic yeah. appearances throughout. Yeah. And it's oh just terrible. And so that's yeah, like the my robot will shoot. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so jarringly out of place, yet perfectly in place for this thing. Because it's just, the, the whole movie is concerned with Rocky being uh, rich and going soft. And then Apollo's already retired, so he feels that way. So then he gets drawn into the uh, the bout with Dolph Lundgren's Russian who beats the living shit out of Apollo Creed and kills him. So then, Ru- so then Rocky's got to go to Russia and fight him. And it's like the big USA versus Russia, uh, cold war standoff. And the second act is literally just nothing but a 30 minute training montage. Actually, it's two training montages. <laughs> it's like one, and then Adrian shows up, and then it's another 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> of training. And, and this is the well they went to when it was like, we, need, we, we managed to reboot Rocky with Creed and yeah. Michael B. Jordan. So when we do Creed 2, by God, let's, let's, let's follow up Rocky 4. Yeah. God. It's just <laughs> terrible. And then, yeah, and hey, then it's like the big fight at the end. Ugh. The objectionable thing about all Rocky movies except for the first one is that the structure is, I'm going to fight this guy. I don't know if I can win fighting this guy. I'm fighting this guy, and then I win fighting this guy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I always, yeah. I'm always Jesus. amazed at, at Rocky's uh, fighting style, which is basically just be a punching bag for eight rounds and then find your second wind and <laughs> like punch the guy once and everybody falls over. I mean, that's yeah, every that's like Rocky Every fight. sports movie, too, yeah. at this point, right? Uh, yeah. But because but explaining the tactics of boxing in a film would be too difficult. So let's let's give people what they understand. You get tired yeah. doing this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the I'm other tired. just is- I've been punching you like I just keep punching yeah. you. God, I'm so geez. <laughs> That's not the way Marvel movies go. Yeah. But, you know. But yeah, but where Rocky Four excels is the fucking robot because it gets a lot of screen time. Like a lot of screen time, and it's just jarring. It's like, what are you doing, Stallone? And then I read recently that he's working on some sort of director's cut where there's going to be some changes. And I guarantee you, he cut the robot out of that movie completely. I guarantee it because it's just dumb. It just doesn't make any sense. Why do we need a director? Oh, God. Yeah. No. But, but it's no. just, but Rocky Four is basically where it went cartoonish, which is the same year that uh, First Blood Part Two came out. And, that like ramped up the cartoon crazy. So that's like a weird trajectory for Stallone's career as well, where he just went into cartoon territory for the late eighties. I, I would like to point out again that the movie that has starred Mr. T is not the point at which Rocky went cartoonish. No, it was it the next one. It teetered, but Rocky four where they just fully committed to just straight up stupid. Uh, and it made a jillion dollars. So yeah, hate that movie so much, <laughs> but you know, well, here's a question for you. Uh, so, Eric, you, you're on record that four has to be in the title for this to be an official right. fourth. Okay. Uh, I politely disagree with you because it 
I'm just going chronologically. It's the fourth film in a series. And that brings me to one of my uh, questions. What about the naming conventions? Like, you don't like when they get cutesy, like Shrek Forever After or some shit like that, I'm guessing. Oh, uh, no, I, I, I don't. I don't care. I just thought that that was the rule for this, you know. Um, <laughs> no, that's just that's just for this the, exercise. You, you I think I think if up. the movie is good, they can do whatever the fuck they want, right? I mean, okay. it's like the James Bond movies wouldn't be better or worse if they were called James Bond Twelve. It'd be pretty ridiculous, but yeah, you know. Well, <laughs> which brings up that that would be one of the good ones, in my opinion. Thunderball is a good Thunderball. Movie. Sure. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's that's the apex of bondum because everything is just downhill from there because you yeah. get the, the, the ramp up everybody always talks about goldfinger but i think mm. that one is really i th- i got think, the best yeah. the highest stakes the most believable uh right. problem it's in the bahamas yeah it's also where they really i mean they locked in the bond like the stereotypical bond movie like yes. thunderball is it mm-hmm. right <laughs> yeah it's it's got all the elements and it's like the one before you only live twice where they just basically turned it on its head and became the, the Austin powers cartoon that everybody remembers. Uh, but those first four bond flicks, they're very solid spy thriller, uh, kind of set the template. And then everything that's come after Thunderball is just, Oh God, it's a bond movie gadgets, girls, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, that, 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 that that Spectre movie when it turns out that Blofeld is the 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 uh, was it stepbrother of James mm-hmm. Bond, isn't that Ugh. the plot of Goldmember? <laughs> yes, literally. Yes. Also, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the fourth Daniel Craig Bond film, and yeah. it sucks. Yeah, oh. yeah. So mm. interesting. Yeah, that's true. That thing sort of had a new life after Casino Royale. I mean. It was nothing yeah. like the original Bond series. So, yeah, I would say that is a fourth and that is, you know, horseshit. Okay. Well, that, that brings <laughs> up an interesting segue to one of my other things. Uh, I've noticed that on a lot of these fourth films, they've got new cast members. They've either right. got whole new characters or they've recast main characters, uh, etc. Uh, and there's a few versions. I've got a, I've got a good one, a, a good fourth film that is a, a, basically a reboot. Okay. Of a series. And that is A Nightmare on Elm Street for The Dream Master. <laughs> of course, of course you would bring that. Yeah. I have to bring that. I it's know, like a family I thing. Know, I know. But um but no, in all seriousness, this is top three Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, I mean the first one, the third one are probably the top two, but this one is the third best. Okay. And this is where they they introduce a new character named Alice, and her whole deal is that she... I, I don't even remember. I haven't watched this movie in decades, but like, <laughs> yeah, she can you. like pull people into her dreams, and she's got powers and shit, and she can go one-on-one with Freddy. Okay. And, and, and they just... They take what was... You know, Nightmare on Street 3... You know, they that was where they really started to go for the gags with Freddy and say, okay, if we're doing dreams, we're just going to get silly with it. This one, they take it to a sort of a next level and they they're going full on silly with it, right? Like it's 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 into the cartoonish, but right. it is ultimately, I think, the closest that to, to, when you think of the character of Freddy Krueger and what's associated with him. This is probably actually the movie you're thinking about in terms of tone, in terms of the makeup, in terms of the jokes, in terms of the gags. This is kind of it. <laughs> oh, bitch. Yeah, that's literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's, yeah, and I think I crapped out at f- four. I think that was the last one I actually bothered to go see. Uh, and the five, rest I think five I, I, Honestly, great. I don't think I've seen any of them. Really? I, don't think I ever saw it. Yeah, because I don't care. You know, yeah, it's like, I know fair. he's not that's scary. Fair. That's I know fair. it's like 80s horror movie violence. It's not like the shit, you know, I, I want to yeah. see, you know, some, some real stuff and something, yeah, something. just always. I, I, okay. I, I still recommend the first one, Eric. The first one's a legitimately scary movie. Yeah. It's, it's odd. Cause it's, you know, uh, not traditional and Wes Craven does a lot of weird surrealistic bullshit. That uh, mm. works, so it's yeah, it, it's good. But I think it's also suffers from the fact that 
so much has come after that, yeah, you probably aren't going to be as awed by it, but it's still very solid. Yeah, it's, it's mm. worth it. But there you go. All right. So that was me giving you a good one. Uh, and a reboot. I'm being reboot. thematic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me get my notes, because I, I, I actually only really prepared with one good one. <laughs> Which is fine. I Weapon 4 out of my butthole where I usually keep it. <laughs> yeah, where um, everybody keeps it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's... So, let's see. Okay, here's what I got in my notes. Okay. In our society, we seem to champion the rights of the group over the individual. My Part 4 film is instead a treatise on the struggle of the lone combat warrior... <laughs> Despite the crushing demands of society. Mm. From 1986, Star Trek IV is the story of a punk on a bus who just wants to listen to his boombox. And even though he decries the wishes of the monolithic federation by giving Mr. Spock the finger, he is brought down like Don Quixote charging at a windmill, both of whom were knocked out by a Vulcan neck pinch. <laughs> Double dumbass on you, sir. Double dumbass on you. That's the thing. I rewatched Star Trek Four, and I, I I loved it as a kid, and then I hated it because I'm like, oh, yeah. this is just cute, stupid shit. And I watched it again, and I'm like, yeah, it's it's harmless. It's like yeah. it's for the people yeah. who don't like Star Trek to give it's them. Star you Trek know? was a rom com, right? Yeah, I think it might have been the same year or maybe just after the first Crocodile Dundee movie. So it was like, Sa- yeah, people want six, comedy same action. Year. Yeah, yeah. It's a well, comedy what bothers, action play. What bothers me I, about uh, Star Trek Four I, is that just, they, I just want to say what the thing about it though is it shows how versatile Star Trek can be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, plus you throw a time travel element in there, you can pretty much do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but what bothers me about it is they spend like thirty or forty minutes with this dreary. The planet is dying. This thing is coming. Uh, we've got to get Spock off Vulcan or whatever, uh, and then. They drop him in the middle of 1986, and then suddenly, yeah, it's just like turns on a dime and becomes this wacky buddy comedy thing. I mean, it's like it's so strange to me because it's like tonally yeah. just boom, they split. It's like, oh, well, we went back in time. Uh, let's just make it funny now because they're well. You know, here's, here's here's something to think about. The first okay, the first movie was just dour and not funny, right? It's almost right. a throwaway. Right. The second movie was action intense, but ended on a downer. The third movie was really slow and really dark and really bleak. So with the fourth one, they basically had to start on that level so that they could change lanes over into... It's it's kind of like they're saying, okay, we admit it. We've got a really dark premise that we've been rolling with. So now we're going to lighten shit up. We're gonna have some fun with Star Trek. I, I Star Trek Four is fun. It's it's yeah. a fun hangout movie with your with your old pals, the the crew of the Starship Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where it's also though that's the template for all the J.J. Abrams reboots, if you ask me. Like he borrowed very heavily from that idea with the time travel, with Scotty uh, giving the formula to the, for the plexi to these people. Uh, so rewriting the, the history kind of a thing so that they can get their shit done. I mean, it's just so much of that is in the newer Star Treks. It's just strange yeah. that this is the one that they would select, but well, you know, I mean, whatever. it's the one that made the most money, I think. Okay. Um, it, so they, yeah, it was for a long time. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I like it that it's a cheat because you don't really. It's the one that doesn't have the Enterprise in it really until the very end. That's I true. Guess. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do a cheat where they they are on the Enterprise, but it's the actual aircraft carrier. <laughs> it's like right. okay, that's a that's cute. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay, you got me. Ugh. Yeah. No. Well, it's no Police Academy four, but whatever. no no police academy no we're not no but it does there's so there's there's uh a couple here i did go back and rewatch mission impossible ghost protocol which is the fourth mission impossible movie and i gotta tell you it's still my favorite one of the bunch and i know that last one was really damn good 
I don't um, like I don't like the newer ones as much. It's this it's become too much. I think they could have okay. cut it at Ghost Protocol and called it a day, sure. and I'd have been good. But it's uh, a live action movie directed by Brad Bird, who did The Incredibles and Iron Giant, etc. Uh, but, with, so vis- but with Tom Cruise basically bullying him. I mean, yeah. let's face it, this yeah. is a, all a Tom Cruise joint. Right. He's got his but, own director, his own writers, his you know, yeah. his own writer. Uh, uh, yeah. And, but, and and the whole the whole selling point is he's going to do some kind of wacky, insane stunt work. Right. But to me, it works. I mean, it's it it's the TV show brought to life. Like the first Mission Impossible movie kind of dropped the ball because it does that whole heist knockless thing where they got it's going to the pentagon they, they were a little too into their face mask thing in yeah the first movie and mission impossible 2 is just terrible on multiple levels because hollywood just did not know what to do with john woo and it was just awful mission impossible 3 is full-on jj abrams bs so the, this the one thing i will give the third one though is that for once it wasn't about uh an agent that was uh it wasn't about a double agent it's like the first two stories, that's the only story they seem capable of telling. Somebody in our right. secret spy organization is spying for <laughs> the other true. team. Yeah, do we do true. anything else except hire bad people in these movies? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. So, yeah. Um, but Ghost Protocol seems to be where they ride the ship, but it's also the typical fourth movie in a lengthier franchise where it basically set the template for what's going to come after. Because every other movie now that they're doing for this series is pretty much this, uh, but just with yeah, whatever plot they're rolling. So it, it exemplifies what the fourth movie does if they do it right, if that makes sense to you. I, I want to know who the goddamn insurance people are for these Tom Cruise movies. <laughs> yeah, let's just hang him off a because, let's hang him off a plane and we'll shoot that thing up to thirty thousand feet. Like, Don't give him a mask; he's fine. I, we know he's good. We know he's flying a damn fighter jet and the Top Gun that's coming out this year. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, the insurance people are so mad, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you know, he's got Xenu or whatever in his corner, so yeah, he's good. <laughs> well, how fuck old is Tom Cruise now? Like he's got to be sixty something. Yeah, he's pretty right? close to sixty. Yeah. 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 But you know, oh God, man, whatever. It's Hollywood. Relax. Uh, <laughs> I think then, it's funny how every year there's another Tom Cruise movie where he's, you know, the 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 big lead star, and they always have him with a girl who is so age inappropriate. Right. You know? Well, it's you know, like it's when like, he was that's... her age, she was an egg. <laughs> Not even <laughs> an egg. Uh, so. You know, but Mission Impossible 4 is uh, where they got it right. Unlike, say, like Men in Black International, which is just. Uh, that, that should have been good. And it, it just should have wasn't. been. And it reminded me of RIPD, which RIPD yeah. is basically a pale version of Men in Black. It's just yeah. a strange beast. Uh, and it failed. So it's, yeah, they went to the well one too many times with that one. Unlike, say, Mad Max Fury Road. This Where? was my pick for the best fourth movie. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree, one hundred percent. Because I can get on they, board with that. Yeah, totally. And I think what makes it work is that it's technically a Mad Max movie, but George Miller had sense enough to bring in Furiosa as a legitimate co-lead, if not the lead mm-hmm. of the movie, and it totally changed the tone and everything. And suddenly it was not about Mad Max at all, which worked for me 100%. I think well, it's also what I mean, happens it, it if was, you've got 20 years to storyboard a film. Right. But <laughs> it, was, it was as much as um, <clears throat> Thunderdome was about Max, you know? Right. Or, you know, I, I mean, Road Warrior was pretty much about Max, but not entirely. It was also that, that whole collective that was trying to get away. It's like he's right. always a guy who shows up and you know in injects hope into this this cast of characters that really inhabit this film and then right. he goes away when he's no longer needed i think that's true you know like like right. it's a formula that's tough to see but i think uh, uh miller really does it well yeah and this one just nails it and it's basically yeah. just from from start to finish, it's just unrelenting. It's still to this day the most batshit studio movie I think I've ever seen, mm-hmm. <laughs> ever. And yeah. it 
it works on so many levels and it shouldn't. Nothing about this movie should work at all, but it does. I think, I think what makes it work, confidence. There is not a true. moment where, where he doesn't know exactly yeah. what exactly. the fuck he's doing, no matter exactly. how weird it is. And yeah. the guy on front of the truck with the flamethrower guitar would be so stupid <laughs> in anyone else's hands. Yes, but in I this, agree. you go, I oh agree. my fuck. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. Uh, so it works. Where, whereas, uh, I don't know. I don't know where else to go with this. There's so many of these four movies that I mean, just... We are, could end it there. We just said the best one. Well, yeah. uh, let's do some uh, notorious, just no, 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 for God's sake, no. Uh, top of that list would be Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Did not yeah. need to be made. I, nope, nope, I, nope. I would sit through Indiana Jones before I will sit through Batman and Robin again. And that was the other one I was going to bring That up. is yeah. unwatchable, yeah. Yeah. that movie. It's, it's, it's a turd and a third I, mean, it's I think just it is terrible. really neck and neck for worse with uh, Superman 4. I mean, right. they're both unwatchable. I got you. Uh, yeah, I agree with that ent- <laughs> entirely. Uh, Batman and Robin is, is like watching them light money on fire. Just... <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's basically it. It's, yeah. it's the movie that managed to make Uma Thurman not look sexy in the role of Poison Ivy. God yeah. damn it, Joel Schumacher. What are you doing? Yeah, anyway. He doesn't know. Uh, and then the other one, and this is just mostly because I'm befuddled by the entire series of movies as a whole. Uh, but Fast and Furious is the fourth movie in the Fast and the Furious franchise. But every single yeah. movie has a fucking different title that doesn't make a lick of sense. Four Fast, yeah. Four Furious. Yeah. yeah. No. Like, uh, like the fourth I, film is Fast and Furious and is followed by Fast Five. I'm like, stop. I mean, it's, it's, and, and the Fast and Furious movies are in that way, just like the Police Academy movies, and that you can't differentiate <laughs> one from another. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't say this one was good, but that one was bad. They all just sort of flow along into one pool of shit. Yeah. Well, where Fast and Furious gets me is that I think, and this is just cursory because I haven't actually sat down and watched any of them really. Uh, but it seems like the first one's just a straight up heist cop movie. And it makes sense in that sort of oeuvre. And then the second two, just, they don't really know what they're doing, but it's kind of the same. This like fast and furious is where they decided to just turn it into a superhero cartoon. Almost. It's it's fast (laughs) five that really goes like down the road that they, but they've been on ever since. But you can see the genetics in this one because the opening heist where they're robbing a gas truck in the middle of nowhere on the island of Dominican Republic in a really ludicrous, like turn the, the trucks around and then back up and then hitch the trailer and then blow nitrogen on the hitch to bust it and steal the gas. I mean, it's like it's so overly complicated that it just I'm, I'm doesn't just make a lick of sense. It's more common than ludicrous. Oh, sorry. Anyway. Boom. Uh, <laughs> and then. And then they go through this entire heist deal, and then Dom has to like outrun a rolling gas tanker that's coming at them down the highway, and that's like their their big to do opening sequence thing. And it's just so dumb, and it's only uh, outdone by the end chase scene, which is through a bunch of tunnels in Mexico. Like it's, it's literally looks like a video game where they're just driving it hundred miles an hour in a fucking tunnel, uh, to get over the border. And it's just so spatially incoherent and doesn't make a lick of sense. And I'm like, that, 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 this is the movie where they just decided, well, fuck it. We can do whatever we want and it doesn't matter because people will come to see these things. Yeah. And I'm just flabbergasted. Am I wrong? No, no. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad. Thank yeah. you for, for confirming that. I feel validated. Thank you. So so the other one I want to kind of shit on a little bit here is, and you referenced it earlier, live free or die hard. Yes. Because Which- like, the whole premise of die hard was this is just a schmuck, a schlub, and he's thrown into this extraordinary situation. And they really pushed it with the second movie and even says, how could the same thing happen to the same guy twice? <laughs> we forgive the third movie because that was really Samuel L. Jackson's moment, well, I think. Well, the third yeah. movie, also, he was being targeted 
by yeah. uh, the bad guy from the first movie's brother. It's like he wasn't even asking for it. In fact, he's even in New York being a yeah. New York cop. So it, it, it right. almost makes sense. Well, and the beauty yeah. of that setup is that he's also, it turns out that he's being targeted just as a diversion for the actual heist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Like, so John McClane doesn't even matter to this whole fucking thing other than he's just the dangly carrot over here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And, and uh. that ties in well with the first, I kind of, I kind of pretend that there's only two diehard movies, the first and the third, but yeah. we're getting into a fourth one and it's like, no, stop it. Well, Stop here's it. the here's the here's the other thing that I had written down in my notes, and this is a good example. Thank you. Uh, when you go from a franchise that has been R-rated up to that point, and then suddenly it's a PG-13 because you need to get more butts in oh, the seats. Oh, that's right. Oh no! And it's they did it like with Revenge of the Nerds. They did it with Die Hard. I mean, it's just why, why? Because you basically just remove everything that is fun about the original. And and sanitize it too much, and then it just becomes a cartoon version of itself. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> and so, and of so course, a franchise starring one of the most one of the laziest actors in Hollywood <laughs> is not going to push too hard in any direction. <laughs> yeah. True. So yeah. So fourth, I mean, it's their make or break. But I'm just going to tell you, you don't see Out of Africa four. So. Well, you shoulda. Yeah, but you shoulda. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't so, really yeah, know what I, else to I guess our lesson is, uh, chances are the fourth movie is not good. Uh, rarely maybe rarely is else. it. Rarely yeah. is it good. Uh, there are a lot of series out there that you really don't need to bother with. That was my takeaway. Critters, Tremors, Friday the 13th, Harry Potter, Planet of the Apes, Shrek, Bloodsport, Billy Jack, Citizen Kane, no, not Citizen yeah. King. But whole you, lot of, you know what whole I mean? lot of movies that you're mentioning that part one didn't need to happen. So you know, <laughs> that's true. That's I'm not true. sure. I'm not sure that Bloodsport four doesn't quite carry the baton of greatness that the first Bloodsport yeah. carried. That's you know? true. Well, I will end on this. The one that always baffles me more than anything is that they managed to do uh, four Dirty Dozen movies, three of which were made for TV, and that's yeah. just a travesty. And I'm going to leave it at that. Let me ask you something, because Tenet is on uh, HBO Max right now. Mm -hmm. Will I understand it if I haven't seen One It through Nine It? <laughs> Good one. That reminds me of uh, when, when Fast Five came out and somebody at work was talking about it. I'm like, well, will I understand it if I've never seen Fast Four? And they went, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I just, I threw up my hands and said, I have won. I am good. I won. Thank you. <laughs> and that was it. I hate, All right. I hate, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That is so good. I love that. Yeah. Hey, if you stuck uh, with the show for four years, you know what you could do? You could uh, share it with your friends and tell people about it so we could have more mm -hmm. than four listeners. Um, <laughs> One for every year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Should we make you know, swag, swag, swags? How do you say it? What? Swag. I, I think like, the problem is, swag. like, if I go in the podcast store and I look at the names of podcasts, right, the names tell you something about what the show is about. Ours does not. No. So yeah. <laughs> we're the Magnificently Huge Podcast, everybody. We don't know what we are doing. We don't know what the show is about. We've been doing it for four years. Could we tell you what it's about? No, we can't. Why don't you tell us what you think our show is about? Hit us up yeah. on Twitter. Tweet at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E, or uh, send us an email, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com, or check us out on Facebook for the Magnificently Huge podcast, and, and tell us what you think we're all about. Uh, send us a, a, a comment or a picture on, on Instagram uh, telling us how much we suck if you want, or, you know, whatever. Uh, we've got all this stuff. We've got all the shows on our website, maghuge.com. Uh, what are we doing? We don't know. We'll do it again next week. Show up then. Ciao.